Hello. First off, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has reached out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, text message to show support for this podcast. You know who you are, old friends, new friends. It really means the world to me. And the best part is I am having the absolute best time bringing you this content. So don't forget that if you have any feedback or want to connect, please shoot me a note on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to us at podcasts at sharebird.com. For those of you who still don't know what Sharebird is, come on now. It's a peer mentoring platform. It's a place to discover on-demand resources and help you with your product marketing careers. On this week's episode, I get to chat with Director of Product Marketing at Adobe, Stephen Baluglu, who will give us a behind-the-scenes look at just how challenging it can be to take a flagship product like Illustrator that was first released on Mac in 1985 and for the first time ever launch it on an entirely new surface, the iPad. What I found most interesting about this interview is that Stephen walks us through the process of creating a net new experience for Illustrator on the iPad rather than simply copy and paste. This is a lesson of how to stay true to your customer and showing us the true art of feature prioritization. So let's go in, dive in, and get a behind-the-scenes look. It's your host, Meredith Davis, back again with another episode of Behind the Scenes Consumer Product Marketing, brought to you by Sharebird. I am committed to giving you a behind-the-scenes look at some of the most notable product marketing launches led by top players in the space. And this week, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at probably one of the most influential multimedia and creativity software companies. You guessed it, you know it, Adobe, and their recent launch of their Illustrator for iPad. For those history buffs out there, Adobe Illustrator was the company's first consumer product. Developed for Illustrator on Mac, started in 1985 and was released in 1987. Since then, there have been multiple versions and releases, but the real challenge was their recent launch and essentially taking a 30-year-old product and modernizing it for an entirely new platform. As people increasingly buy tablets and want to work from wherever they are and on the go, convenience is overwhelmingly valued by consumers, which is why this was such an important release for Adobe and a perfect example of operating customer first and translating insights into strategy. To give us a behind-the-scenes look at how this magic came to life, I'm here with Steven Baloglu, whose team focuses on some of the company's largest flagship products, such as Illustrator and InDesign. Steven, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hi, Meredith. Really excited to be here. So before we get into things, I got to say that I am a beginner at best when it comes to Adobe suite of products. And although I'm able to whip up a quick image and text overlay for Facebook or Instagram ads, as a product marketer, it really has come in handy to have like rudimentary knowledge of Adobe's products. Do you just market or do you actually use the products yourself? Much like yourself, I consider myself very much a novice when it comes to creativity and creative design. But being at Adobe, I've realized how amazing people are using our products and what's possible. So it's really inspired me to, to try to do more. So you dabble. I'm a dabbler. True. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready to share my right, like, creativity right, of course. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't have a side hustle anywhere with design. So someday you can someday. do it from the Virgin Islands. So side oh. hustles are great, but now we can do anything from the Virgin Islands. Maybe. Exactly. Anywhere you please. Awesome. Well, before we hop into things, I want to chat about your background for a quick second, because you actually spent many years leading product teams before your career in the product marketing space. So how did you decide to make that switch from product management to product marketing? Yeah, I don't know if it's a familiar path for product marketers, but I started my career working more on a technical side of product and I loved building things. I loved solving problems and getting into the design of it. Like how do we make a great experience? And when you work at a startup, I did product at a couple of small startups and you end up wearing a lot of hats. So as a product manager, I did some of the product marketing as well, or just had to think a lot like a product marketer. And it was some of my favorite parts of that job. And that's one of the reasons why I got excited about product marketing. And really it's translated to me understanding a lot about what it takes to build something. What are all the constraints that product managers are under and having a lot of empathy as a product marketer working with one of our strongest partners, our product team, really having that empathy to understand what they're going through, how, what are all the constraints, how do they prioritize and getting to a common solution that's good for the customer, good for the business and really good for our product teams. And if there's one tip that you have for product marketers in better ways to work with PMs and their counterparts, since you have been on both sides of the coin, what would your one tip or suggestion be? I think a lot of times it comes down to building strong relationship. And that is a personal thing, like building personal connections as much as you can. But I think the other is really aligning on objectives together. Like where do we want to go with this product, with our customer base, with this opportunity? And once you've aligned on those objectives, it just makes it easier in those tough conversations. Why have we prioritized X over Y? And when are we going to be delivering the thing? And all of those kind of conversations that get challenging, I think, between product and marketing really set Setting a North Star, aligning on that and that vision. And then I think it, it really helps things fall into place when you get into the more day to day. Totally. No, I love that. I would say one of my tips would be grabbing boba for you and your PM, heading into a room and just doing a lockdown where you figure out the OKRs, your KPIs over some boba. Yeah, I love it. I don't drink boba often, but maybe a nice strong tea or something. <laughs> Awesome. So I want to switch gears and really dig into what it took to launch Illustrator for iPad. First of all, like how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we as a company had been thinking about this for a while, making designs, iterating with customers. When I joined Adobe, this was already in flight. And I joined about four months later, we announced that we were going to kick off a beta. And then it really got us on this path to bringing it to market. So I kind of joined midstream and the team had done amazing work, really thinking through how do we reimagine, as you said, a 30 year old product, 30 plus years that has millions of customers, all different types of customers from dabblers such as yourself to the most amazing illustrators and designers in the industry. And it's really a challenge to think about how do you create the one thing that can kind of work for such a broad audience. And so that's what we set out to do was really create some more focus. And when we think about positioning and messaging, who is that target audience and where do we start first? And then what's that longer term path? So it was really an amazing experience and connecting with so many really smart people at Adobe who had thought about this extensively and had decades of work on the product to jump in and, and help get it over the line. 
And it really is so true that there are millions of people, so many different kinds of people who use Illustrator for different reasons, whether that's pleasure or business. Who would you say was the core target customer for this iPad experience? It's a great question. I mean, we have so many different opportunities. It's been amazing being at Adobe and just seeing like, wow, we're just scratching the surface. And with a product like Illustrator, the expectations of what's possible from our core customer base that uses it every day are just extremely high. So one of the core tenets was we can't just put out a toy that's going to be really quick and easy, but not really have all the power that Illustrator is known for. And so we really focused on this has to be something that a pro level designer could use in their workflow. They pick it up, be a part of the workflow, create something new or do something new in their experience with Illustrator. But then also there are a lot of people, probably more like me and you, who have some vision of they want to create something or they need to create something and unlocking that creating some more ease in the product, modern interface, and on this new device, it, it really unlocks this new opportunity for us to expand. So I think we've tried to bridge both of those. The product right now is in a really good place with both of those audiences, and we're looking at ways we can customize and expand from there. Totally. And going back to something that you previously said about the beta that you guys launched. So the journey up until this point has been so long and exciting, like you mentioned, to launch Illustrator for iPad. And what we're seeing come to life now is the culmination of so much feedback from thousands of creators in your community. And you shared before that you did create this beta program for Illustrator. And it actually, I think, was the largest in Adobe's history of about 5,000 customers weighing in from all around the globe. Tell me about the diversity of experiences and the perspectives you got from this. Yeah, it really helped us bolster how we were going to build the product, exactly what some of those interfaces would be and kind of experiences in the product. But I think the other, you know, you come back to kind of the expectations around the product. We had launched Photoshop on the iPad actually a year before we did Illustrator on the iPad and expectations were really high. And I think we didn't communicate as clearly as we could with the customer base and like expose right. what the product was going to be. And so we said, we really learned. I mean, we had launched two or three products on the iPad. We took all of those learnings when we went and, and looked at how do we best bring Illustrator to market. And one of the key things was we need to get our core customers as advocates. And so right. part of that beta was getting the insights for the product team, the design team, and then secondly, turning it more outwardly focused and saying, you know, how do we create this community of advocates that are showing the world what's possible in this new product? And so that it was kind of a twofold thing, but yeah, it was students, it was customers and Japan and Europe and uh, South America. I mean, it was just amazing, just the depth and breadth. And total kudos to my team that, you know, they managed this with super high engagement. We had an external Slack channel where people were engaging on a daily basis and like submitting the stuff they were doing, talking with each other, doing these creative challenges. It was just amazing. It wasn't just testing beta. It was like a full-fledged mini community. The whole town came to help us make this happen. I love that. And when product marketing really supports efforts like this, it really does take a lot of time, a lot of resources. How did you think about managing, okay, this is going to take almost 80% of the team's time for X amount of weeks versus the other projects on the plate? 
Yeah, that's really hard. We kicked off really the beta and everything right about when we were going into a remote work. Oh. So so t- put that on top of it to make this a challenge. So frankly, we cleared the boards. We said, look, this is the priority. And while we had a couple of other things we were trying to do in the year, I think we took a hard look and really prioritized this over other things and cleared the way for our team to really focus and prioritize. I think a lot of product marketers, and I'm speaking for myself, in this one as well, I have trouble going and fighting for that time and having research and insights be prioritized amongst other go-to-market initiatives or executing on other marketing projects. What would you suggest as something that has been helpful for you in getting true time to collect insights prioritized? It's a real challenge, I think, for us to balance kind of that, you know, getting information in and then acting on it and then already having the information you need for the next thing you're going to go work on because you've been so busy working on the thing you're working on. So I think it's like this, you know, really creating this sequence of, you know, if you looked at it like the overlap and finding space when everything is overlapped, it's a super big challenge. I think one benefit of being at a company like Adobe is we have a good amount of resources towards a lot of these efforts. And so we've leveraged our expert researchers to work early with them on here's where we're going next. How do we get get that team focused on doing the research that we need? And that way we have it on hand when we're ready to move to that next project. Have we done it perfectly? Of course not. But, you know, I think it's super messy as you get into it. But at the same time, I think just having real explicit decisions and conversations on like, hey, what's going on? Where do we need to go? How do we be very deliberate about the types of research we're doing? And frankly, I asked the team that are helping us get these insights, hold us accountable. Like I'm not an expert researcher by any means, but if we're coming to you with not a very well-formed question or hypothesis, like push us, let's do the work now to really establish what are we trying to learn in market? So the research objectives are clear, the strategy on how we're going to go get the insights. And then we have those answers when we come out the other side. And what were some of the key learnings from the beta community that helped shape the product experience? Like, did you have any aha moments? Yeah, I think one for me is a lot of times we can get really caught up on feature and function. And I think we get excited about, oh, well, you can do these radial repeats. It's really easy. Or we have the, the special, like the gradients that we're going to put in the product and how people respond to that feature. But the thing that was most compelling to me was just seeing how it really inspired people to create, taking this new device, this new interaction with a product that they've used for so many years and seeing what they do with it. And in some ways we've integrated that into our marketing message. We really leaned into the emotional benefit of giving people this new freedom to create. And then we laddered more messaging on that. And that was a part of our campaign when we launched. Yeah. And so thinking more about the messaging, what a massive opportunity you had to take something that millions of people love and respect and rethink how it could evolve to new surfaces. And the value of the product really does lie in the convenience and the ability to go back and forth between desktop and iPad versions. When you were starting to build out the messaging and positioning, how did you leverage those insights and data you'd collected? 
it was basically really core. I mean, I think when I first started, we had a messaging and positioning doc. I would say how it evolved over the course of doing more research, doing the beta, it really went a long way. So I think, you know, it wasn't like we we met with leadership the year before and told them what we were doing, got aligned, and then that was it. I think we continued right. to evolve. Up until three months before launch, we were in the creative process. We were nailing down the exact words and we were sharing that with leadership and getting feedback. And so I think part of it was just keeping that evolution and making sure as we were hearing new things, we integrated that in and really focused on how do we get to the core and keeping that moving. And it really has evolved to a beautiful positioning, which is draw on inspiration anywhere. And the fact that it's never been easier to take creativity to new places. How did you, or at what stages did you test this messaging? Or was it really just a continuation over time? I'm a very lucky person to be at a place like Adobe. We have such amazing resources at our, at our fingertips. The people making the creative are the customer. Our mm -hmm. studio team, they use Illustrator day in and day out. They are part of the community. This is like, I'm really lucky to have that. It's ability. like a fantastic feedback loop. Yeah. And so they have these amazing ideas of how do we tell the story? What's the creative? What are the words? And I think that really set us up for how we could bring these messages to life. And in terms of testing, we didn't do mass scale focus groups or anything like with testing different messaging. But I think we have a, a studio team that just understands the product really well. And that's our the studio is our creative team. And we also have the testing methodology at Adobe. We leverage our own enterprise experience cloud products to really test our different landing pages and really get insights on what's working and what's not. And so I think you have to like, I'm not a huge proponent of going deep on market research ad nauseum to test some of these things. Things. At some point, you just have to cut, run, and, and go you know, with it. Yeah. And then get numbers, get the data, use our digital tools to get kind of insights at scale. I truly think that behavioral data and how people really interact, it's not necessarily what people say about a message or a product, but how they actually use it, interact with it, agree with it is more powerful. Absolutely. So one thing that you mentioned previously was that Illustrator may feel very different for longtime users. And when Photoshop was released for iPad just last year, it was met with some criticism over missing features. And there are a lot of hurdles I'm sure that you faced when bringing the core features to an entirely new platform. But I also think that this was really a part of your messaging strategy and your go-to-market launch plan, which was your marketing team setting clear expectations with customers that this is just one of many versions and that the idea is to build not for your customers, but with your customers. How did you think about that through the launch process? We looked at all of our different product launches that we've done, the feedback that we got, and you know our teams connected across Adobe to get the insights about what we did right, what we did wrong with some of these other product launches so that we really took it to heart, like really leveraging those insights on how we decide to go forward. So you hit on it exactly. I feel like you must've been in the room with us somehow while we were <laughs> while we were doing this. No, that was the exact the thing. That was the exact idea, you know? It needed to be customer first, it needed to be customer-led. And frankly, we had to talk about the product in a different way. 
we used the words real Photoshop when we launched Photoshop. And I think that really set an expectation with people that that was hard to change. And we heard it, our initial beta, you know, people like, oh, what about the direct select? What about this? What about that? And, you know, there's going to be missing things. And one of the things we did was not only just this idea that, hey, this is just the beginning and there's going to be more and give us your feedback and this massive beta. Those were all core components. I think the other was having our advocates that were using the product, making things and really changing the conversation. This was a deliberate choice. You know, the conversation at launch shouldn't be about what's missing or this feature, that feature. It's really people being inspired and seeing what's possible with what's in the product today. And so that's right. why building this advocacy, having thousands of pieces of content that have been created that our community shared amongst the broader community, that really changed the conversation from what's not there to what is there. And then frankly, just inspired people to go create. And we've right. seen amazing uptake with using the product since then. Absolutely. And I mean, Illustrator on desktop, I believe has almost like 87 tools and 150 panels. There's just no way it's untenable for a smaller screen. And so I think you guys did an incredible job in saying this is not a copy and paste. This is a reimagined experience so that people can be on the go and flow between desktop and an iPad. Absolutely. So in terms of how you really brought this to market, and it was really just this past October that you launched and you really used the Adobe Max event to build hype and awareness. What was product marketing's role in this event? So my team is deeply connected to the customer. We do a lot of execution around, you know, community events, showcases with customers, advocacy groups. So we not only are, is my team responsible for messaging, positioning, kind of the strategy of what we're going to bring to Max, but also really connecting with the community there. So, you know, it was kind of twofold. This Max was wholly remote. So a little bit different when it came to that, but I think we were hosting, we did webinars, hosting events. Jasmine Whitaker on my team did an amazing job. She was on the keynote Mac stage demoing the product with our lead designer. So I think we played a couple of different roles and our Adobe Max and how we bring some of our products to market certainly takes a village. There were uh, so many amazing people working on it, but my team really helps I think, set the strategy. And then there's areas where we lean in to, to really execute at, at events like that. How do you feel that, or what are some ways that product marketers can tell a really compelling story at an event, even if it's virtual, which I think many of us are facing today? Yeah. And I think there's a couple of places where this matters in some of the discussion we've had today, but the product's doing a lot of things. If you come to market with all 10 or 15 things and try to tell the story, it's really hard for people to pay attention. Add on to that, my kid's downstairs actually right now playing the tambourine and <laughs> you know, my dog's about to bark because the mailman's coming all of these kind of cliche things, they happen to everybody all day long. And, you know, I think we have less attention from folks now more than ever. And it's our job to get really crisp and, you know, focus on who the customer is, where they are, what their mindset is and how we can help. What is the message we can bring to them and make it concise. So I think our job right now is to come with the most concise, meaningful message with humanity in times like these. I love that so much. And I definitely agree with you in that product marketing and content can be very verbose these days. And we have so many things that we want to say that nothing gets said. And to really cut it down to the most important pain point or reason to believe is really going to be the reason that your product marketing efforts can shine through. 
Yeah. I'd add to it one other thing, and this has been a live conversation we've been having on some other things is we're all sitting in a room and we know this product so well, and we're having a hard time understanding, well, how does this work? And what about that? And it really triggers for me, like, okay, when we come to market, prioritize, we're going to have to have really good how-tos. Like mm-hmm. there's some content, there's some customer journey stuff that we're really going to have to focus on to make this successful. So it's not all just fun, inspirational videos. Like at some point there's some brass tacks where we need to help our customers as well. So I think as product marketers, we can be that voice in the room. If it hasn't been said, you know, our product and design teams do a great job of this as well. But I think really highlighting like, hey, here's a moment where we're going to have to show up for our customer with some other types of content or help make this successful. Yeah, I think that product education uh, gets lost or forgotten a lot when we're focusing on running 120 miles an hour for a massive go-to-market campaign. And then our customers get through the door and they're like, how the hell do I use this product? And I think that's especially relevant when you're introducing a new interface on a new platform for your core audience. And to what you said before, are your advocates. And so making sure that they understand how to use it is is really important. And something I wanted to ask you, because you did say before, you know, with creator products, it is really important to get your core audience to be supporters, even before a launch. How did you, and you did this with the, the beta community, but was there any influencer type of campaigns or PR strategies that you worked on with kind of this like core audience that you had? Yeah. One thing we focused on in the beta was to have kind of a wide range of voice. So like I said, it was global. It was people at different stage from, you know, students to the most advanced pros. So I think we had that really broad set of people who were giving feedback and, and trying to product the product early. As a part of that, we said, let's make sure we include some folks that do get out there and are kind of lighthouses in the community where up and coming designers look to them. And another part that we integrated into this was, so it was, we had some of those influencers in the, in the beta. The second thing was this pay it forward campaign that we did where a designer would pay homage to another designer and then that oh, wow. chain would continue. And it all played out on social and just got like amazing engagement. And some, you know, I think in a moment, again, we were in where, well, maybe still are in where I think it's really important to have gratitude for the people in your craft, in your community and show it. So we're all feeling it, you know, when we can't go give each other, you know, virtual, like actual hugs, right? Uh, these virtual hugs and kind of gratitude that we can show is, is just super important and probably exists from here forward. And I think that's great. I love that so much. And I feel like so many companies and product marketers can get stagnant or repetitive in the channels that they activate or the type of campaigns that they run. And it's really easy to hire a consulting company to go find you influencers. But we forget many times that you don't have to be an influencer to be influential in the space that you work or run in. And it's important to think of customers, especially avid users and engagers as influencers as well. I think influencer marketing is a hot topic and I think it's evolved probably over the past five to seven years that I, it's been on my radar, probably longer. For me, it's it needs to be a very deliberate uh, approach to why would we choose an influencer? Like what's the strategy and are these just going to be empty calories or is this like a meaningful appro- component to a go-to-market strategy? And for yeah. us, again, being lucky to just have this massive community already developed, we and a lot of advocates were able to tap into it. I haven't called 
called Kim Kardashian to see if she could help design something for us on Illustrator. Because I don't probably do something, but right. it's probably not going to do what's really meaningful for, for our customer and our business. Exactly. I mean, who knows? Maybe she dabbles as well, just like us. I'm sure. And the App Store was also kind of a, a new acquisition channel for you. How did your marketing team think through like an exciting new channel to experiment with? Yeah, it really enabled the whole new path for us to acquire customers. So it's super exciting having the benefit of already having some mobile apps in market. We're able to leverage all the insights that we have. Like some of these other teams, you know, we actually thanked the Photoshop team for cutting through the jungle of <laughs> bringing their product to market first. The grunt uh, work. Yeah, and I wouldn't say we strolled through the path that they cut, but I think we did benefit from that. And I think that's another thing where, you know, if you're working at a company that is doing, you know, other teams are doing something similar, you just latch onto it and get the insights. A lot of people are willing to help you be more successful and learn from the past. And so we took that to heart. And so the App Store, we had a lot of insights there. We kind of fired up the baseline of what we thought would work and what we've seen through other products. And now we're at a point of taking that. We've been for about four months now, but taking that and then kind of starting to carve some of our own path. Now we have this portfolio of different products in the app store. How do we leverage? If we just had Illustrator, we could run a couple of tests a month or something like that. But if we've got three or four products, let's try a couple different strategies across those products. And we have this portfolio testing approach where I think it could really advance our insights faster that we can then apply uh, across the board when we find winners. So the app store for us is unlocked a lot just for our business. But I think as we continue to, to advance our understanding and kind of the strategies we have there, I think we can we can really go faster. Right. It sounds like an unlock and a testing ground all at the same time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking the Photoshop team's previous work and using it to come up with a stronger campaign. I think it just makes a business and, and product all the more better. And this is clearly only the beginning of the journey for Illustrator for iPad, as I know Adobe has already announced the upcoming features that customers can expect. So much of Illustrator for iPad's product marketing strategy has been to promote that collaboration, as we were mentioning before, to build the future of Illustrator for iPad together with customers. And as you think about the future of this product, how do you continue to collect those insights and continue to take a customer first approach? This is one of the most exciting things, you know, now that the product is launched, we actually have mass scale users that are using the product. And so that's where we've focused, you know, now we're digging into customer like product usage stats, or we now have an ability to do more quant studies so we can really understand how are people using the product? Why are they using it? What are the things that we could be doing, you know, how prioritizing for new features, functionality, or things we should be looking at to make the product better. So I think for us at this stage, it's now about leveraging scale and taking those opportunities to get the insights. And as you think about the future and scaling of marketing efforts, you know, you learned from the Photoshop team and you've learned from this initial launch. Are there things that you would do differently next time around as you continue to scale? I think one of the things that I think, you know, I, I joined a little bit later to the process. So I think is the idea of Illustrator, the iPad or whatever the next product or feature that you're launching. I think as soon, the earliest you can get in to think about who is this for and how are we going to differentiate? What new value is this going to bring? Getting that as a tenant to just why any product feature is being done, why any new product launch is happening and getting alignment across teams. I think the earliest that can happen 
it, it just enables alignment, speed, and an effective communications to our customers down the road. So I joined the party a little bit late and I think the team had really well thought out what we were doing, but I think there were still gaps. And that's one of the things we closed up toward leading to launch in order to make it successful. And we have our next project that of course I can't talk about, but you know, we we're doing the same thing now. And I think we're going even faster this time, but we've taken that pause to say, who is this for? What's the new value? So we can really do a, you have a successful go-to-market and not just doing, but making an impact. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of impact, in the next five to 10 years, where do you see the future of consumer product marketing and the impact it can have on businesses? I guess I don't know if I'd separate consumer from any other product marketing. I think the convergence of our digital capabilities, along with the craft of marketing, really coming together to enable more meaningful moments for our customer, how we're communicating with them, what they've come to expect, you know, and I think there's a lot of messages is being thrown at consumers in the context of being a consumer, which I think in some ways makes it a little, I don't know, the grass is always greener for business or consumer product marketing. But, you know, I think that it's really our job to make sure we're doing something meaningful. And so changing the playbooks, I think that's one thing that my team we're talking about now is when we do a product launch, we have kind of a checklist. I think we have to hold ourselves accountable to like, how do we keep evolving that checklist of things we should do when we do a product launch and throwing out the stuff that doesn't matter so we can really lean into the things that do. And that's going to keep evolving. Yep, absolutely. And you said just now that it really is our job to come with those insights and be the voice of the customer. And it's that's something that we hear time and time again as product marketers. What does being the voice of the customer mean to you in the shortest description of it? I think there's a lot of people with voice of customer. You know, I don't think this comes from one department, especially with a well-run product design teams. I actually don't feel that. I'm more of a proponent of saying, Let's make sure we've got the right voices in the room and are really challenging because mm. we could very quickly get caught up in excitement about the thing we're doing. And the deeper you go, the more you get away from calling BS on some stuff and you know <laughs> playing devil's advocate. And some of those things, I think, are where meaningful change can happen that really gets you back to the core and to the customer. I don't like the phrase product marketing is, you know, plays voice of customer. I think that's, that's over. I think product teams, design teams, we all have that responsibility. And you know, I think product marketing, our job is to really help consolidate the story and drive it to a place where it's going to be meaningful for the customer and really break through. Mm, I love that. And now I'm going to go and reach out to all those companies where I see their job descriptions online as voice of the customer and, and tell them what you think. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> but I agree. It's teams... really, yeah, you're right. Our product teams don't get enough respect for being the end design and user research and being the voice of the customer. And I love what you said too, that it isn't just the voice. Of the, it's multiple voices, Absolutely. multiple different voices and opinions. And product marketing's role is to distill it into a compelling clear narrative that tells a story. Absolutely. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, Stephen. I honestly think I'm going to dabble a little bit more. And this has given me the inspiration I've needed to go back in and test my design skills a little bit more. Meredith, I'm so excited to see what you can create. Um, <laughs> and I'm if you want to have a, with you. Yeah, we'll have a live doodling session. We could do a live stream doodle together. And see, oh my see gosh, I love that. Well, this has been awesome, Stephen. Thank you so much again for being on the show. And everyone, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Thanks for having me. 